2: Do you want to come cook with us? Vamos! Let's get cooking! Your preschooler can swing into action with Dora in Boots for a musical adventure in her brand new podcast. Recipe for adventure! It's Dora's Recipe for Adventure, and she's cooking up special treats with all her friends and family. We've got everyone's favorite dishes. Empanada! Baleta. We're cooking up a family adventure, and Dora has the perfect recipe. Listen to Dora's Recipe for Adventure wherever you get your Podcasts. Alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things avatar. I don't know why I'm singing it up here like it's a song. I'm Janet <laughs> yeah, Barney. You win a car, and you win a car. <laughs> and I'm Dante Bosco.
1: And we are here, and we're so thrilled to be here together to celebrate this amazing world that Mike DiMartino and Brian Connectsco created 19
2: years ago, Janet. That is almost as old as I am because I'm 20 years old. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Let's not let anyone think about that too long. Let's let everyone believe that to be true. We are here today to recap uh, episode four of The Last Airbender, The King of Omashu. But I have to say we are here to do so much more than that. I am so excited. And I know, Dante, you are so excited. What an iconic, beloved character from The Last Airbender the king of Omashu himself, the very mercurial, hilarious, surprisingly buff king of Omashu, <laughs> Boomy, played by the very great Andre Sogliuzzo. Welcome. Welcome
1: to the podcast, Andre. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here.
2: Uh, Andre, you have the name I wish I had Janet Barney. Janet Barney. Well, Andre Sogliuzzo. No, so, come nice on. Name. I don't it's know. Very listen, Italian. I am just excited. Andre, very.
0: Very, and if you have my last name, you're you originate from the island of Ischia in the Bay of Naples, it's a very specific name. So, oh, wow. yeah.
1: also, you know, my name is very Italian, both first Bosco. name and Signore last name. Bosco, yeah. yeah, Dante, I know, Bosco. I know
0: two other Boscos, both Italian, yeah,
1: both Italian. I was hanging yeah. out in the Bronx with a bunch of Italians there, and they're like, Who's Dante Bosco? I was hanging out with a bunch of Italian kids, like the Bronx Tale, and I yeah. raised my hand, and they're like, Uh, Are you Paisan? (laughs) And I said, uh, I'm I'm Filipino.
0: I'm Filipino, but there's a big Latin influence in the the, Philippines. The guy looked at
1: me and said, We've been there. We've been there. You may be Paisan. (laughs) You don't know. I was like, I guess so. Who knows? That's (laughs) right.
0: We'll take him. Whatever. We'll take him. You got the last name. It's okay. You know? (laughs) Are
2: you Paisan? Am I Paisan? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Where did you grow up, Andre?
0: I had a weird life. I grew up all over the place. I'm originally from New York, uh, like Dante. I'm uh, born in Manhattan. My dad was from the Bronx, but my dad was a theater professor kind of chasing tenure. So I moved a lot like a military brat. I was an academic kid. So I lived in New York, upstate New York. I lived in Rome, Italy for about a year and a half. Then I moved to Dallas, Texas from Rome, Italy, culture Um, shock. I lived in LA for high school and I moved back to New York when I was about 19. So in my mind, New York more than anywhere else, but I've been back in LA for a while, but I'm I'm a dyed-in-the-wool New Yorker no matter what.
1: Did yeah. you have that New York accent? Manhattan, Bronx, something? No,
0: I had, as a little kid, we've lost the recordings unfortunately, I had a very upstate New York accent when I was a little kid, but then I lost it. And my father, even though he was from the Bronx, was the only one in his family. I mean, he went, got a master's, a PhD, was very erudite and very cultured, you know. And so you, then I would meet my cousins, and they all talk like the Sopranos. Andrew, come here, pass the gravy. You know, and I was <laughs> yeah. like, who are these aliens I'm related to? Because my father just kind of walked away and like, right. you He's know.
2: like, we're not talking like yeah, that, No, Andre. he wore
0: ascots, and he was tremendously cultured, you know. He and wore so, ascots? Uh, he did wear ascots. I'm just
2: gonna jump in here and say, in case anyone doesn't know, an ascot is one of those scarves that you sort of tie around your neck, and they make you look quite dashing. Let's bring the ascot back. I don't
1: have one of those in my wardrobe. I need one of those things.
2: Both of you could absolutely work an ascot in a gorgeous way.
0: I could. I could. Well, yeah. You know, my dad passed recently, and so uh, his ascot collection is up for grabs. I. I don't think my sister's gonna fight me for it. So we'll see. <laughs>
2: One of the things I feel like comes up over and over again with voice actors like you who have this amazing ability to do voices, accents, mimicry, is this true awareness and appreciation of people from all these different places and what makes them special and why they sound the way they do. I also feel like moving around a lot is really good for a voice actor because you get the opportunity to, to kind of be a sponge and hear all of these different voices and see all of these different cultures.
0: Absolutely. And as a little kid, my father took us to the Edinburgh Festival when it was still a, now it's a huge thing. But so, again, to go to, to Scotland and hear them speaking what was supposedly English, but sounded nothing like English that I ever heard before. Oh, and so, so good. that was, and I would learn to imitate them, you know. Yeah, and I, so, you, you know, you just, yeah. So for me, I was always celebrating the differences between people. But for years, you were sent out in the hall in school because they thought you were... Mocking everybody, right, you know, right. you know. Yeah, I spent a lot of my childhood in the hallway. You know. But I think it's
1: also the chameleon of the actor we're trying to fit in. Now, how, how did uh, acting come into your life? Like, how did you pursue that?
0: So I was always around the process of theater because my dad directed plays as well. But I never pursued it as a profession as a kid. One, because I was still bopping around. When we finally got to L.A., and I finally sort of admitted that I was an actor, I did not want to pursue it Now, if I roll my career back, I should have as a kid because it's a lot easier to get cast as a kid than as an adult. So I decided I want to go study professional acting in New York. And I sort of went that snob route rather than going on (laughs) open calls for Nickelodeon (laughs) shows as a kid, which is, you know, I probably would have had a bigger on-camera career had I done so. but. Again, the life experience that I had in New York completely enriched what I do now, so I have no regrets. But yeah, I didn't understand how the business worked. I didn't realize they don't care if you're baby-faced like 17-year-old and you don't really know. You're allowed to learn as you go at that age. But I had all this sort of adult perception of what you're supposed to know. And so I wanted to walk into that room feeling completely confident in myself. So I was a late bloomer, so to speak. But, um, you know. And then I pursued voice. I I was doing voices from the age of six.
2: What did your dad think?
0: Yeah, he always found it funny and loved, you know, that I did voices and accents. He spoke fluent Italian. He did a lot of stuff at the Italian Cultural Institute in LA. And I did readings there with him. So I was exposed to a lot of theater for years and years and years. So yeah, it was just kind of in the blood, but it wasn't quote unquote the family business it was more like the family tradition we were just involved in theater but not being paid for it you know so yeah
2: and when you yeah. did start pursuing it more avidly was there a type of role that you were attracted to or were you just sort of like whatever i can get an audition for i'm going to jump in there and do my Pretty very much. best yeah yeah
0: I did a lot of black box theater in New York, you know, a lot of small off-off stuff. And and then at the point, I was also a a musician and a songwriter, am as well. Nice. And I was kind of trying to pursue both at the same time, which you can't, like as a profession. I had to kind of make a choice. So I thought, you know what, I'll always write music, I'll always perform and play, but I've got to focus on one thing. So I kind of got in through voice is how I, I mean. I was doing theater. I didn't really pursue an on-camera career because I knew that the voice was a, I had a facility that narrowed the field for me considerably. But it was tricky because New York at that point didn't have, they had voice guys, but they were promo guys, they were commercial guys. There weren't cartoons in, in New York market at all. There were some, and that's kind of how I started. I was doing um, Celebrity Deathmatch. Back in Mm. the day. And I did like over 50 voices for them.
2: Right. And for those of you who don't know, Celebrity Deathmatch was a claymation, very cool, animated show that parodied pro wrestling matches, right? But pitted celebrities against each other. So you would hear celebrity voices. But they were people like Andre doing amazing impressions. And
0: I came out to L.A. to WME in L.A. with my videotape um, (laughs) of like 13 of the 50 that I did. And that was my entree to Tim and Eric and then tim wanted to sign me right away you know tim was like what are you doing in new york like you could have an animation career in la and i was like Ugh, i don't want to live in la Ugh. you know and then i as all you new Yorkers back, say and then I, I know, then, yeah, end I, know up here. I was a total snob you I end up know, here. It was the same so as thing. Suddenly, I went Francisco. back to my studio apartment and my miserable prison <laughs> right. cell. Of, you know, I thought, you know what? And it was Thank cold. You know and it was super cold <laughs> outside. <and> you're <laughs> like, what am I doing here? <laughs> what am I doing? And so I thought, okay, I got to take this seriously, you know. And um, so I, I came out to try it. My dad was living here and I stayed with him till I like, sort of got on my feet, you know. And then I started working pretty much right as soon as I got out here. so that's awesome.
1: Which I originally met you in the lobby at yeah. WME of the voiceover department. And we spent many, many hours just talking, rapping with a bunch of of other voiceover actors.
0: And that was the funny thing with WME is different. I mean, were you there when we were upstairs before? Yeah, yeah, right. So that elevator door would open and the music floor was one flight above us. So sometimes different legends would be, it was like almost like on a sitcom, like if you want your celebrity guest star, the elevator doors would open one day I was walking, and in the lobby, I was sort of walking with my head down, not looking up, and the elevator doors open, and I smell this blast of perfume. And I look up, and little Richard is there in a full gold caftan, full makeup, oh with God. his shades on, and and oh. I, I look up like this, and I go <laughs> I like burst out laughing, and he goes like this. He's got his, 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 his Ray-Bans on, he goes, Hey baby, (laughs) and then the elevator doors closed. It was so beautiful. People don't understand. So
1: WME is the William Morris Agency, which is one of the biggest agencies in LA. And the voice department is not the big part of the William Morris Agency. No, it's a small corridor. Before we got our own lobby, Varney, you got to understand, we were outside the elevator at any given time. It was five to twenty voice actors Uh, lounging uh, around. There's two benches, so. There's a few people sitting on the benches. The rest of us are laying around the William Morris agency in the hallway, right. leaning up on each other against the wall, yeah. running lines with each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, packed in like sardines. Yeah. Packed
2: in, 20, 30 yeah. voice actors. I have to say I love that you two met so long ago and then ended up on this show together. Well, let's let's lean towards Avatar a little bit. I I, I yes. do want to say, I mean, again, such an iconic role such an iconic voice I cannot imagine anyone else doing thank it you. especially someone like you who really is known for the diverse range of voices that you well, are you. a go-to person for it really is like magic for people you turn into a kid it's like how are you doing that and so that's got to be kind of a fun way to walk through the world it is a fun
0: way to walk through the world then like if we're all in the room Eventually, people are like, "Would you guys shut up? We're trying to watch the movie." You know, it's like because it just. Andre keeps Romano.
2: Andre out. Romano was like, "Yeah, okay, we're gonna get back to the episode."
0: Yeah, all right, wrangle the cats, Mama Andrea is gonna straighten us all out. So, is Boomy a role that people ask you a lot about? Absolutely, and Boomy is interesting because, again, I didn't really have an idea of the impact. To be honest, of Boomy or the show, and this is for Dante too. None of us too, did because Ante, none of us had well, an idea. None of us did yeah. because it took those kids a while to grow up, you know. And then all of a sudden, we would go to things like I didn't really know until I was at Comic, and I'm not a regular at Comic Con. Dante's there much more than me, I'm sure, but I went down one year and I was at the Legend of Korra party and everybody's in costume. And so I'm there and I'm just wearing my jacket or whatever. And then somebody was like, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, well, I'm King Boomy. It was like, huh, they started shaking, you know? And they're like, dude, Boomy's here. (laughs) And it was like, I was freaking Elvis. It had nothing to do with me. It was Boomy. I was mobbed by these fans about Boomy and like, and I just got this very moving sense of what the show meant to people and meant to those kids who were now and they were in their 20s, you know, and, you know, they were like, oh, my God, Boomy meant so much. He was so cool. I always wanted him to be my crazy uncle. You know, I mean, that's what Boomy was. He was like the badass. Not he's not your badass grandfather. He's right. your badass grandfather. Your grandfather's badass brother. That's He's right, your crazy he's great uncle. Crazy. That's yeah. what Boomy was. Yeah. He's yeah. The one in the
2: family that everybody and, goes, oh. And then you're, and then you're, of course, your uncle Boomy had to blah blah blah. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah.
0: And so Boomy was just, yeah. Boomy is so cool and was su- such a wonderful role. And to be honest, I mean, that's probably one of your questions is where did the voice come from? But he does that's come indeed. from a specific person. Oh, okay. And we were we were talking about New York and theater. Uh, and what's funny is when these auditions come in, especially I remember at the time for Avatar, I think the word that sticks out in my mind, it was like older, da-da-da-da. And the word aristocratic was in the breakdown.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I, I think that
0: was in there. He sort of a, had an aristocratic air about him or something. And so I had a dear, dear friend who was much older and he... A more, he smoked Camel Dun filters and his name was John Barry Ryan III and he was from a very a, a well-to-do New York family and John also was in, he was, I mean they were multi-millionaires back in the day. His grandfather was a very famous guy at the turn of the last century named Otto Kahn who funded or he was a great patron of the arts and John's mother ran the new york metropolitan opera so john grew up with all the greatest minds of the 20th century in his living room he grew up one flight below greta garbo oh and john talked and he smoked camel gun filters all day long and and Andre, come over here, you know. And he was unbelievable. And so John had that voice. And so when it said aristocratic, I immediately went. So again, John is more gravelly and a little deeper, but it just became hello, how are you? It became the more oh, animated. Wow. But there was no picture of Boomy. And then when the show came out, Boomy looks like John Ryan. That's what freaked <gasps> me out. Oh, yeah. I love wow. that. Yeah. Like, I love, John kind of oh. looked like King Boomy. It was total serendipity, yeah.
2: I love the serendipity too of your background because King Boomy feels so, like, Shakespearean inspired, right? He's like the sort of mad king. Yeah. The sort of, is he's he's funny, but is he dangerous? How much power should a person who's crazy have? All of that kind of stuff feels like it was spun, you know, out of that sort of mythology or those sorts of of right. characters in literature Is so I he love. joyful yeah. yeah but i love that that's, yeah. you know here you have this dad who's a theater professor and you're digging into the classics and stuff just by virtue of of uh, you know being immersed in it as a young person so that also feels like Mwah, it's perfect right
0: well again all, all credit to andrea romano cuz i'm sure i'm the she's the reason i was cast at that point Um, because I remember when she heard it, and Andrea's a a New Yorker as well, and so she knew what I was up to, like in the voice, and she heard it because again, that word aristocratic, and you know, I mean, FDR, you know, well, the only thing we fear is fear itself. Like they all had that way of talking. And so John was just a higher version of that, but if you were from a well-to-do family, you talked in that way, you know. Gerston, Hurston, Hurston Howell the Third on uh, oh, Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island. Island. He, yeah, sure. he, Lover, you know, it, right. he was doing that. But they all had that voice in different <laughs> that's shades, you know. That's amazing. So that's where he comes from—is that old New York aristocracy sound from the uh, 1920s? I would have never 30s, picked you know? that amazing. out. And I love how when
1: they're casting, a word can send you in that direction, and it's brilliant. Yeah. And then yes. how you seamlessly go through voices, like I think me and Barney are both like amazed by you know, actors like you, KMR, Kevin Michael Richardson, Gray DeLau, and I think, you know, you guys are all singers, and so the tones that yeah. you pick up on and the way that you can articulate it so easy, is so brilliant, so brilliant. Absolutely. Well, I think it, be, it might have a fact that you're a singer. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I always thought that. With no, the, it is, it is. I,
0: I, I say that all the time, especially in what I do when I do voice matching, you know, when I'm doing, because and sometimes you're, you're and not to put anybody down, like Dana Carvin, he's an incredible Impressionist. He's incredible. But sometimes impressions are very broad because they yes. want almost a caricatured version Absolutely. of the person, but when you do voice matching for a feature film, right. you have to, You're I'm in the middle of the sentence, you know, so, you know, it's Russell Crowe starts the sentence and Russell Crowe's like, you know, over here, I need you to go over there? And then, so I want, and then I say, $500. And then, you know, and then yeah. Russell finishes the sentence. So your a, your it's job, it is, it's all music. It's rhythm. It's timing. It's pitch. It's all very, very musical. And the people who can do that, especially or even when you do looping or dubbing. Yeah. Sometimes I've dubbed Netflix shows. Yeah, it's all rhythm and timing because you've got those three beeps and it's like boop and you're, you're making puzzle pieces with sound that have to fit. So it's a definite musical thing. If you're tone deaf, you can't do what guys like I do.
2: I'm amazed. I know, it's magic and science combined. All right, we could talk to you for a day. Let's see if we can take ourselves on a little ride, a little ride called the City of Omashu, the King of Omashu. This episode was written by John O'Brien and directed by Anthony Lioi. Aang is very excited to go back to this place that he says he's been a million times as a child to see his very, very good friend, Bumi. This is the first idea that we have outside of the, the air temple, right? We think of him as being with the monks all the time. So this, the fact that he has this buddy that he goes and visits in this remarkable city that we see from a distance, you know, built of stone and this crazy tall road that leads up to the village. And very cinematic as the entire series is.
0: Very beautiful. It's such beautiful art in that episode. Yeah. It's
2: so stunning. Like I would have a a poster of pretty much every shot in in Avatar if I could. Yeah. And so he says, we got to go. Let's, you know, I got to show you this crazy thing that this city has.
1: This is the Omashu delivery system. Miles and miles of tubes and shoots.
2: We see this system of shoots that are, for those of us who enjoy roller coasters, feel like, of course, it's an invitation to go nuts. And we learn a little bit about all the adventures that Aang and Boomy had together as kids. And then it quickly turns into, in present day, this sort of, how much in peril are they because they encounter this potentially crazy king but he seems kind of harmless but then he's putting Aang through these kind of death defying things that he has to do in order for them to be able to safely leave and all that kind of stuff it's a bit of a standalone episode which is something that avatar fans talk about it lives within itself in a way that some of the other episodes don't which is one of the things that makes it feel to me like a mini movie getting ahead of myself but it's got the classic like boomy making puns and then silence and then just Like the one cough when people don't think the pun is funny. And just those sorts of moments are are just classic comedy. Sokka. Sokka does. Sokka thinks he's funny.
0: There's a little Monty Python moment in it as well. Yes. When they're, when they're going on about which chamber? Oh, the chamber that was one the one before the nice chamber that is now the former chamber of, which is yes. very from uh, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. The rhythms of it, not just the way I read it, but I knew the writers were sort of going there in their way. The one that was formerly known as this, which is now that, you know, uh, right? Or whatever. I was he says. wondering if you if you yeah.
1: improv that, Andre. And I was watching. I was like, I wonder if Andre improv-ed no, that. No, I think that, that was in the so script. Good. I
0: never. I never. Rift uh, at all? I think that was there, but definitely I was stealing the rhythm of it from Monty Python. But I know that they wrote it with that in their head. Which is such a dream
2: as a writer to to have somebody go, "I got you," you know, and to
0: just do it. No, the writing in that episode is wonderful, and Boomy is all there on the page. That's the other thing. I would love to take credit for all the crazy, you know. Yes, there were rhythms and pitches and things, but it's a real collaboration. The writing was all there. And then I come in with that. And then Andrea steers me in a direction and really is a team effort. When you come up with something like that, you know, it's just wonderful, Absolutely. you know, throw them a feast, you know, like there's this, ah, you know, like these weird little pitch things, you know, and I, I I'm, I, as I heard it again, I, cause I just watched it again for you guys so I could be fresh. And it was funny. I'm like, did I do three other takes where I didn't go feast, you know, and then Andrea yeah. led me there? Very possibly, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to say.
2: Well, we kind of get a foreshadowing of meeting this king and and this idea of disguise and all of that right at the very beginning because Aang uh, wants to go visit the city, but Katara's so worried now. Everybody knows, you know, words gotten out that the Avatar is back, and will he be recognized? And so they decide that they need a disguise, and then you know, of course, we immediately see we see what the tone of the The show, this particular episode, is going to be right away, right? Because we see Aang with his bushy, Mark Twainzian kind of beard, and then he's got this crazy shock of of hair. We see quickly that it's Appa's fur, and he drops down into an old man voice, which is ironic because he is over 100 years old, but he drops down into his little raspy old man Aang voice.
0: My business is my business, young man, and none of yours!
1: Which I've actually seen that cosplayed. I've seen that cosplayed at cons. I have seen Old Man Man A cosplay. Which is classic.
2: Shout out, it's a deep to cut. Those Definitely a deep cosplayers.
1: cut. That, that is a, is a deep, deep cut. cut. Yeah.
2: Those, are, but that's that's when you know the cosplayer is doing it for his fellow fans. It's like we, he or she or they, are doing it as a, hey, we're in the same club, we're speaking the same language, and not everybody knows what this is. And those are the best. Those are the best moments. And so they're just coming in, and then uh, Aang is of course bragging about how nice the citizens are, and then we immediately hear the guards berating another iconic character in this episode. Certainly not outshining uh, Boomy. And this is the first time we see the Cabbage Merchant. Oh, my cabbages! And Cabbage Merchant, by the way, we like to call him Cabbage Man. Cabbage Man. Is a fan favorite, of course, you all know. Enter the Cabbage Man. A lot of cabbages happening. This is the first time. It's kind of a big deal because fans do love the cabbages they love cabbage man first of all we need to talk to mike and brian about why cabbages was it ever going to be cauliflower was it ever going to be squashes or pumpkins we don't know was he meant to come back was he meant to come
1: back or was it a one-off line i don't know
2: we just want to challenge our friends and fans by the end of this first season we would like to collect some cabbage counts we want our fans and our friends and our listeners of the podcast to let us know how many cabbages they count in this episode, assuming that every time you see a cabbage, it's its own cabbage. You're not seeing the same cabbages over and over. Good luck, this is like counting jelly beans in a jar. It's cabbage count alert. Keep track of the cabbages you saw on screen for this episode. And, of course, big, big shout-out, big verbal hug to James C., who plays the Cabbage Merchant. And don't worry, we definitely want to have James on the show. Andre, do you know if you actually did any of the other voices of the characters in this episode?
0: I, I know I had one other voice in that show, and I think it's the guard, wh- where it's literally Boomy and the guard are right up against each other, which oh, wow. normally they don't do. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I'm, I'm like, this very, you must, do, blah, blah, blah. I'm like one of those guys. Yeah, you well,
2: know? they got it. I mean, listen, they had you in that room. They had to use you for at least you. one other thing. At least one other thing, because they had a, There's so much they could have done. I, I've had panels, multiple panels,
1: disrupted by a cabbage man cosplayer. <laughs> one time, rolling through with a whole cart full of real cabbages. I was like, "Who's this guy?". I mean, I know who he is, but you know, he's throwing cabbages to the audience. It was, it was
2: amazing. He's, he's beloved. Now, this is exciting for me because now that we have covered our cabbage count, I'm turning it over to you, Dante, for this part of the recap so that you can tell everyone what Aang says his name is
1: to the guard. Good luck. I didn't want to say that. I mean, so Aang is berated the guard, tells the guard his name is Bonzo <laughs> he's Pippin Dapasopolis.
0: It's Pippin Padalopsicopolis.
1: Pippin
2: Padalopsicopolis. Exactly.
0: Pippin Battalopsicopolis, yes. The third. The third. He's the obviously thing.
1: Greek. There's, there's Greeks in the Avatar universe, for sure. I guess so. Yeah, and I, I never so. even
0: asked him at the time, where did you guys get this name from? But I know it's something specific. Like, we yeah, will
1: find out. You do for have you. to say it in the show too. I have to say it.
0: What do you yeah, have you to say to yourself, you. Mr. Pippin Battalopsicopolis? Exactly. Yeah, no, I know I do say it. But what was funny is at the time I read it, I don't know that we maybe we recorded in order that day, or I came in from my scenes or what, but I watching the episode back, I was like, Oh, he says it first. So I thought, at the time I read it, I was like, "This is a total random thing for this old man to shout at this kid." <laughs> right. But whatever, I'll read it. Right. So like, I didn't know why I was even set calling him Mister Pippin Battle of <laughs> I just thought it was like, "Boomy's really nuts. He come up comes up with weirdo names for people." Then Which, I realized, "Oh fair. no, that was the name the kid gave himself." You know? Yeah, but, and of
2: course, exactly. of <laughs> course, May is Katara. Katara leans doesn't. In. Listen. Yeah, she does, That's a, one of the great comedic timing moments of the show because she just leans right in and is like hi june pippin pad lobscopolis and you're like oh i guess she's <laughs> a weird savant so shout for out to that name. she had it she had it down too that's right that's right and then of
1: course they stop Sokka, and then you know are they caught no the guard says Sokka should carry old man ang's bag and then the earth gates are bended open which is always great to see earth bending happen yes and then indeed. we see the amazing mountainous city ang explains these chutes and this roller coaster and these tubes that are going around the, the city. And he tells the story of Boomy and what they used to do in the shoots, And they have this great flashback of young Aang, which is still Aang, how he looks now, and his partner in crime, Boomy. So Aang takes the gang on the shoot ride. And the shoot ride is pretty awesome, kind of scary. I mean, this is very death-defying stuff. They're going
2: on the shoots. It's intense. There's a lot of damage that gets done to the city on with with when Ant gets a hold of those shoes and when Boomi I does. I know.
1: They're like blasting people's roofs. Yeah. And then they then they get followed by that sharp axe thing out of nowhere. What, what's that? This yeah. Sharp axe thing comes <laughs> out of right. nowhere. <laughs> and then they careen past soldiers, uh, trained to be prepared for anything, not for that. That's right. Very funny moment. And then the cart with Aang and the company flies past, stops for like a photo op. They do us like
2: so many great funny little
1: I know almost Looney Tunes things in the episode. I think that's episode. a great comparison.
2: Well yeah, and it reminds me of like there are flume rides. Like in Disneyland there's there's a flume ride and then there's one at Berry Farm and they take a picture of you when you're sort of about to throw up because it's the steepest part of the drop. And so I wondered if that was an influence, and I don't know if it was, but that's what it felt like to me, too, is that you sort of get this picture of everybody in the log flim, like, ah, trying to look like they're having a good time. And then after you finish the ride, you can see that photo. So I was like, ah, maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know. And so, yeah, and then we, of course, Cabbage Man gets, we, we hear him, like, that went wrong again. My cabbages! We end up on the cabbages. We end up on the cabbages, and then we go to this giant green-tinted temple which, Andre, did you see like a Wizard of Oz thing happening there? Because I was, like, that's sort of, I first thought like, is this Emerald City, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there
0: is a very Emerald City. The whole thing is very Emerald City. You see it in the distance in that wonderful shot. Then when the true. gates finally open and everybody walks in. Yeah, it's very much like that kind of awe. And there's a lot of green. Boomy's got a lot of green going on. And once you're indoors, the whole thing is kind of Emerald City-ish in a way. Yeah,
2: Very fascinating. I didn't think about that. That's what struck me, and then the kind of the interesting twist is that you know the whole idea of the wizard when you meet the wizard is that he's this very normal, sort of bland guy who's playing at being something extraordinary, and so for a second, you know you could even think like, "Oh, is this where we're headed with this?" and then it's the exact opposite. The king of Omashu is immediately fascinating and weird, and you're trying to get a beat on who this guy is. And you know he's at, he's grilling Aang, he's asking that everybody questions. Um, but right away we get some really good bad puns. Uh, I think the first one is like when Aang says he's from Kangaroo Island. I'm from Kangaroo Island.
0: Oh, Kangaroo Island, eh? I hear that place is really hopping.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah. It's really Silence. Hopping. I hear it's really paw. hopping.
2: <laughs> so. Saka's like it was kind of funny that was kind of funny it's so good and then some. there's some kind of crazy moment where like Aang we know now that Aang is a vegetarian he tells Boomy that when Boomy is like offering him a chicken leg and then somehow Aang is exp- like with no skin Boomy throws a chicken leg at Aang like it's some kind of weird matrix sort of test where he's like aha and he throws this chicken leg and Aang instead of catching it I guess because he doesn't Maybe want to touch it because it's a dead animal or something. He airbends it instead. And it's like, boom, he knew that was going to happen. How could he possibly know? It's like, aha! And he exposes him as the airbender.
1: Yeah, you know, when you look back at it, because now we know what's going on. But I, I'm trying to put myself in watching it for the first time, and not knowing all the, you know, foreshadow alerts of what's to come. Because then you can kind of see all of his madness
2: making sense in hindsight, right? When I first saw this, the very first time I saw this episode, I had zero, like I absolutely had already forgotten about his friend Boomy by the time we met the king. The king took all of my concentration and I was only thinking about the king and I genuinely was shocked when he names him at the end. And then the next time I watched it, I was like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> like there were a lot of clues I know. That's how that done. I, I utterly watch utterly missed. Just, like, I know too much ay yeah, yay But uh, um, well, the
1: team tries to leave after the whole airbending incident, and right. then Boomy announces his three deadly challenges, right? Which is very got a little Hercules labor esque thing going on. Like, oh, he has to do these challenges to achieve something. Another and, thing, and probably the bat, and- Andre. That, early.
2: Yeah, that was like familiar to you, Andre, with uh, with just all the sort of classic like the, the gauntlet. The kind there of there are three challenges.
0: Yeah. All of that,
2: the hero's journey. Yeah, there's a lot of odes. Oh, he
1: says, "Off with the heads," which is a very odes to like the uh, to like Alice, Alice, in Wonderland. It's like there, there's a lot of like it takes a lot of different ideas and a lot of different things that we know in this in the past, and it's a lot of it's very dense in this episode for sure.
2: Absolutely,
0: it's funny that you say. As I roll back to what we were talking about before, also when we the Wizard of Oz, and the Emerald City. If I really think about it, Boomy's voice is not unlike the Wizard. He's got one thing you haven't got. You know, right. again, The Wizard, that actor, that. Uh, had the same, again, it's that same erudition of the period, you know.
2: Yeah, you're right. He de- Oh, my gosh, I hadn't thought about that. That's a great call. Yeah, Boomy's
0: Bumi, voice is a higher pitch, but not unlike the same sort of rounded theatrical tones of The Wizard, Yeah, you, you know. Mm-hmm. Why didn't See? you say so? Come on in, you know. Oh it's all God. there.
2: I think you've elevated this comparison in ways I couldn't have imagined, and now I feel extremely, now I feel very smart and vindicated, but it's only other people making me look good.
0: Well, Bumi is all about erudition, you know. He's all about being erudite, so.
2: Mad genius king. That's right. And, and so many jewels and gems and gemstones. I understand it's, you know, he's an earth king. He, when he decides to give these challenges to Aang, he's, he encloses or he puts these rings on Katara on Sokka, right, where he says this is geminite and it's this creeping crystal. It's crystal that grows remarkably
0: fast. By nightfall, your friends will be completely covered in it.
2: It'll just, you know, smother them alive if you don't do these these tasks I'm gonna throw at you quickly enough. The first one is a sort of underground waterfall in this cave. He's got to retrieve this lunchbox key. Lunchbox key. And we see him bouncing around the stalactites, air bubble. He does this air bubble. Can't climb the ladder. You know, so he does does his different thing. Shoots the stalactite through the air, pins the key, delivers it to Boomy. Uh, what's the next one, Dante? What's the next challenge?
1: The next one is Flopsy. He's now in the chamber, and he's like, "You need, you know, get Flopsy here to give me a, a kiss or a hug or." Whatever. Where's my Flopsy?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And we open up on. It appears to be a rabbit. I don't know if it's a rabbit mixed with something else, but it's
2: definitely a. a I think that's a just ra- a maybe a regular rabbit, and we're well, like, the "Oh, the first is that one lopsy? is
0: just a big lop-eared rabbit."
2: Right. And yeah. then
0: Flopsy shows up, and he's like this scary. Goat this gorilla. other
1: big thing, yeah. What is that thing? Do we know what that thing is? It's it's a. Bit, Andre looks said like a he's dead gorilla. on. A goat. Gorilla. It is, humongous yeah. goat. Gorilla. Yeah, nailed humongous. it.
2: Nailed it. Uh, but Aang, once Aang calls him by his name, right? He's
1: yeah. He turns the table. He's he's learning that what things aren't what he thinks they are, or we are learning also as an audience that everything is not what we think it is and then the labors continue.
2: Yeah, so they have the final challenge. There's a duel, Aang's gonna have to choose his opponent. Uh, We think, oh, he's gonna have to choose between the two of them, but in a surprise twist, he points at Boomy. says, I wanna fight you. Uh, And we're gonna find out how that goes right after this. And we're back, and now Aang is
1: having his fight with his chosen person. He's gonna fight, which, which he ended up being Boomy, and Boomy gives him his staff, and the fight ensues. Now Boomy, when he reveals himself, you gotta say that old man is stacked.
0: He's ripped. He's cut. Yeah. He is
1: ripped. It's kind of terrifying. He does something earthbendery, and his body goes from like this hunchback, and then he. I mean, he has gray armpit hair. That is really thick.
0: Thank you. Uh, I was just going to get there if you didn't. The most significant thing that I think, I don't know of another character with armpit hair. Animated character with armpit hair and it (laughs) flaps in the breeze. Okay. It's thick. It's flowing (laughs) armpit hair. Yeah.
1: Flowy. I think also probably (laughs) thick and dense. That's the first thing I saw.
0: To me, I think it's the first animated character I can remember with armpit hair, but uh, you know,
1: I can't name one. Oh, Boomy was impressive. I mean, yeah, he does claim that he is the greatest earthbender
0: you will ever see. Yes,
1: exactly. We don't know if that's going to be true or not. Foreshadow Alert, we don't know if that's going to be true or not, but at this point, yeah, yes.
2: Foreshadow Report. I mean, at least there might be another character who claims to be the most powerful earthbender, but I don't know. I mean, I Boomy's, mean these, Boomy's, are, these these boomy are, he's got some moves. This fight is in No, it's amazing. But it's these awesome. earthbenders
1: are pretty self uh important here, barney A lot of earthbenders claiming to be the best uh ever. I don't know. Oh, okay. listen,
2: you're just trying to throw shade on any other nation other than the Fire Nation because exactly. Zuko is just such a bad dude the entire time. <laughs> uh, I can't, you but can't, you fight. can't throw it on Boomy. He's too cool. No, Boomy's yeah, amazing. so it's it's that's a lot, and really, it's just Aang deflecting, deflecting, deflecting. I know it's it's interesting how they talk about
1: that. How he's like, you're like all the other Airbenders. I thought you're different because you're the Avatar, where the airbending's all about deflecting and not really trying to attack and trying to hurt the person, but about you know diffusing violence diffusing a situation but it's beautifully beautifully done all these fights these ang barely missing these rocks these boulders coming at him and and then uh, of course he ends up besting boomy to a degree only to find out there's a rock above his head and then he ends up doing the tornado Thing. He does the airbending. That's the airbending thing with the tornado. This all this like earth yeah, and yeah. rock and rock and earth, and it's really fascinating and beautiful to watch. And you're seeing this probably like the most intense fight as far as using two different elements, and it's really beautiful. But then it comes down to after he passed the test uh defeating Boomy, that he has one more question. And the question is What is my name? And Varney, what happens then?
2: People, I just um, I projected ahead to how much people are going to love this episode, hearing so much raw, natural, boomy happening in the moment. Amazing. It's just like, I, people I, are going to lose their minds. Day. They're going to lose their minds! Yes. Oh, they're going to lose their minds.
0: And I'm still trying to piece together how... Uh, I, I watched it again, and I was like, you know, he is the Avatar, so ultimately he, he knows all, but how he comes up with boomy out of that i still didn't like he does he sort of connects these dots
2: agreed it's a stretch yeah but You're he like, figures wait, it out pretty think, easy because then i watched it one time and i was like i'm gonna watch this from the perspective of somehow ang figures out really early but then he's just letting a lot of stuff happen that feels like that's a long way to go no if he, he didn't figure it out till that
0: moment in the show but yeah like, even when he figures it out, i'm how? like Somebody told you, dude, you ought to cheat sheet. <laughs> <but>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can pretend like it's cause you remembered something I said. When you look
1: at young Boomy, I think he's a mad genius even young. In my mind I went yeah. right Aang the fact that Boomy created these shoots around the city because he's the you know, the the king of Omamashi, and like this kid, he's like he must have been the mad genius to Aang when he was a kid. So when he says it later on in life, he's like
0: Right. You oh, were that's the home. mad genius. Yeah, you're the mad right, boom, right. You're the
1: mad genius. All this is, and it, it kind of clicked for him. I might have stretched Looking myself there, but I went. Older. I went there with Aang.
2: I think you've done a good job. You've backed it up. You've backed it up. Sock, of course guesses Rocky. And then there's just another really bad pun for everyone to enjoy. The other thing I wanted to point out, and I'll quickly say, just so we kind of wrap it up, the, the recap that of course we find out that the genomite, which kids are released from as soon as we know that it's Boomy, all of that, that threat sort of disappears. Although it wasn't a huge threat anyway, because they sort of look like they were wearing weird dresses made of jewels. It, boomy points out that it's rock candy, but the, but the carnival music goes so well with your voice and the animation of, of the character that that sort of pipe organ you know yeah yeah uh, calliope kind
0: of yeah the
2: calliope thank you that's what i was looking for uh it's such a great companion piece to to boomy and and in all his madness and wonder
0: but calliope is also a little scary too that's what's wonderful it's like agree kind of it's 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 creepy it's, it's funny, but it's also a little spooky, all at the same time, which is what's great about the music with Boomy. Yeah. You're so
2: right. Yes, I'm glad you pointed out the creepiness because it is very, very creepy. Um, so it's great. So uh, you know, we 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 see Ang and, and Boomy take one last ride on the the crazy earthbending shoots. Um, they do it together, and of course, we have to hear. Ah, uh, rule of threes. We have to hear one last "my cabbages" as they presumably off-screen are destroying more cabbages.
1: My cabbages,
2: and that is the end of the episode. What a pleasure! Braving the Elements is sponsored by Creeping Crystal Candy. It's not just a Geno Mite, it's a Geno Must. So come on down to Creeping Crystal Candy Cavern and find out why this crazy confection is an oh, thing. You've got nothing to lose, except your teeth. I would love to ask the, the three of you if you had to pick one of the three challenges from Boomy either dealing with the waterfall in the cave, uh, retrieving Flopsy, or fighting Boomy. What would you pick? Let's presume you wouldn't be killed by any of them.
0: Well, I, I kind of like the water one just because of the sarcasm of Booney Booney's like, Oh, dear, that nobody does that. You know, if, if oh, whatever he's... Right. Yeah, he's kind of snarky in the water I know, he's a lot of
1: commentary on a lot of what's yeah. going on here. Oh,
0: well, there's an original. Nobody does that. You know, it's like, it's just... Yeah, it's that, that... That made me laugh out loud watching it again. You know, I was like, I don't even remember that line, but it was like so funny and so snarky. So it's that's so kind of my good. favorite just for the joke. But again... It's, so the good. last challenge is the coolest. When Boomy falls back, oh, yeah. breaking, you know, he just falls back and breaks through the earth is so cool and so no, kind of so all amazing. powerful. Yeah, it's kind I'm of scary. I'm glad and you cool. brought that yeah.
2: moment up. Yes, yeah. when that he falls to the awesome. earth and comes back on
1: top. Yeah, He's a, that's why I wouldn't fight Boomy. That's why for sure out of those three, three challenges, I'm not picking fighting Boomy for yeah. sure. No, I'll go with Flopsy because yeah. he was so cute. After we called his, his name, he was like all of a sudden like the most lovable yeah. thing yes
0: who's a good boy who's a good boy exactly
1: yeah.
2: don't fight boomy don't daddy fight wants boomy. a kiss from flopsy i think is maybe the this sort of and i'm not change. i can't like
0: a, again i may have i I'm, i take it i may have improvised who's a good boy i'm not sure but i might have they might have given me it. that latitude i could see that being true yeah
2: This works for me because I enjoy the underwater cave waterfall thing. But I think if I were actually spelunking, I would get semi at some point I'd get claustrophobic. So this is great because now I get to enjoy uh, this beautiful underwater cave waterfall without actually having to be there in real life. So uh, I'm glad that we that we sort of doled out those challenges the way that we did. Um, And then you we know you get asked this every time because we get asked this every time we go to a con. But what bender would you be? Would you be an earthbender, you, Andre, uh, aside from being Boomy, or is there a nation that you feel like kind of drawn to and that maybe the bending power suits your personality in some way?
0: I kind of like water. I think I might be, yeah. Yeah. I might have been a Come water Come over guy. to my side. That's I think cute. I yeah. That's cute. I scuba dive. I'm not Listen a surfer, but yeah, I do like, I I, I am a water, water person. So, it's very yeah. healing. I can see that. Although I am a Leo, I should be a fire nation guy, but, you know, fire sign, but. You know, and I you're Italian, with and you're Italian. T-shirt. I am Italian. How fiery you know. but are I, I Italians? Come, I come from an island you know, surrounded by water, so yeah, water yeah. is kind of a, a very tranquil thing for there me. There you so, go. Yeah. yeah.
2: And you love New York, and they say pe- the pizza is great in New York because of the water. Because, because of, the of the water. water. And it technically Manhattan Italian is an island connection. surrounded
0: by water, so yeah, water the is a thing. island is a of Manhattan. Thing. Very yeah. true. It's beautiful.
2: Andre this has been such a pleasure what a real pleasure thank you so 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 much well
0: I just want to say as I said uh, uh, we were talking about earlier when we go to the cons and we meet the fans and it is so moving to now get back from them what these shows what the avatar last airbender meant to them as kids and now uh, as adults and a lot of them are now having their own kids And that sort of cycle of, you know, something we did in an afternoon in Burbank 15, 20 years ago, uh, you know, that we don't necessarily forget we did it. But it's so long ago and it's just a given day now to realize the impact and and how significant that little afternoon we spent in a booth in Burbank on a sunny afternoon meant to somebody's life or some kid in a room playing video games Mm. for like hundreds of hours, you know? And and we don't know what their life was like, their, you know, their family life or whatever they were going through with their folks. But that little escape to watching the Avatar was maybe their happy place that day. It's not about us. It's about what that character meant to them, what this show meant to them. And, but for us to be even a part of that instrument to, to bring that joy into someone's life is tremendously meaningful and tremendously fulfilling to get that appreciation back. So it's not about us feeling important. It's about knowing that we made someone happy. Well, I'm always happy to talk about Boomy because he is one of my favorites uh, that I ever got to do. And also because he's based on a dear friend uh, you know who's no longer with us, but you know I love that I got to put John out there in one way or another. You know, yeah, so, he's, uh, he's
1: he's immortalized for all time. Yes.
2: now. well, yeah. let's dedicate. We'll dedicate this episode of the podcast to John. Thank and, you. Uh, without without whom and without Andre, there would be no Boomy as we know him. Uh, thank you so much. What a what a thoughtful way to go out. Um, this has been so fun. Game. Is there anything else that you want to tell people about, and how and how can they find you on social media?
0: Some of the really good ones right now I can't talk about yet. There's about to be a really big one video game with a significant character coming out. And they just emailed me something today that you can almost talk about it. So by maybe by the time this airs, it'll be out. And that'll be a really fun character I have coming up. But recently, Doom Eternal came out. I'm the voice of the father in Doom Eternal video game. I've got stuff on the show Owl House. I still do a lot of American Dad all the time. Uh, Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix is another really fun one. Recently, Star Wars Squadrons video game. Um, And then, of course, Ellen of Avalor, I have a few characters. Wizards. I do a lot of wizards and I do a lot of cats. I used to do (laughs) a lot of Puss in Boots and a lot of old wizards, uh, Boomy being one of them. And so, uh, yeah, uh, The Mighty Ones is another show I've got something on uh, right now. But World of Warcraft Shadowlands, um, that I think is just out. I'm in that. yes. Yeah, you so basically there's a, there's named a...
2: like eight things that w- everybody would be happy to have one, and you have like <laughs> exactly. all these amazing exactly. projects. And Andre's yeah. nonstop and, work. Fantastic, it's fantastic.
0: But lovely to meet you, and I love your show, and thank you so much for doing this. I mean, for not just for the fans, but for all of us. It's the work we do, and especially this particular episode, which means so much to me. Thank you.
2: Uh, thank you so much. Wow, Good well, listen, seeing you, we're brother. All in that.
0: You too. Yeah.
2: All right, everybody. Talk to you next time on Brave the Elements.
1: See you guys next time.
2: If you haven't already subscribed or followed, please do so. You can do it wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time.
0: You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again?
2: If Ready PG.